1: Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us. Hey, we've got another great show lined up for you. We are on location today at Par Lumber in Springfield, Oregon. This beautiful brand new store that we're sitting out in front of. There is a, uh, an amazing event going on today. We're at the Makita Discover.
2: Driving Innovation. Oh, Driving
1: Innovation Tour. They are using their driver's To drive innovation. And you can discover amazing new tools. You
2: can discover innovative tools. Yes. They are driving innovation. (laughs) It's actually amazing. It's been very busy this morning. Uh, The amount of tools that are over there is uh, so much, so much. Inspiration and it just makes me want to pick up a tool and get to work.
1: Yeah, but there's more tools over here than there is over there, I guarantee it. Oh, (laughs) at least bigger ones. Yeah, bigger
2: for sure. There's just (laughs) two, but uh, in addition to that, I you know, I know that we're here to talk about home improvement stuff, weekend warrior stuff, the you know, the Makita tools and all that. But a perk for us today is that the Mad Greek Deli food truck, oh man, is also here and they are serving. Greek fries and Omega sauce and some amazing euros and uh, man oh man the food
1: smells good I do uh, I do love some mad Greek deli mad Greek deli yeah so uh, real quick I did want to mention uh, we had a, a friend of the show Richard Vjnowka. Drop by the, uh, I hope I'm saying that right, Vizinoska. I think <laughs> yeah, that's right. that looks good With to me. Uh, Richard's Remodeling. He's a local contractor in the area. And we talked about the HOA thing that we were talking about on the show. Yeah, CCNRs. and rs Yeah, last week or the week before. And we, we kind of talked about the importance, again, of checking with your CCNRs and rs before you hire a contractor. Right. Or uh, making sure that your contractor is aware of those CCNRs, and rs Because if you don't, he actually told us, that if he doesn't read them, he could potentially be held uh, liable. Held liable, and yeah. he would have to pay for it to get it repaired. If uh, if in so the CCNRs said no, tear it down or right. change it or whatever. Right. So it's just important. It's one of those things that you should really look at when you uh, live in an area where you're required to have uh, CCNRs or you have uh, what's the other word for it.
2: You have rules and regulations that yeah, are rules. put up that are put up by your neighborhood. Uh, that is uh, that is very important. You can, as the homeowner, be held liable. As the contractor, be held liable. So really, this is for everybody. Understand those rules and regulations set forth by your neighborhood, your HOA or
1: CC&Rs. Absolutely. So anyway, yeah, we're today we're uh, we're hanging out here at the Par Lumber in Springfield. It's a brand new store, Tony. This is a stunning. Stunning location. You walk in, it's gorgeous, brand new, everything, all of the shelving, all of the supplies and tools and everything you need to build a house is in here. Yeah,
2: downtown uh, Springfield, right off of A Street. Uh, very easy to find, easy access. Um, all You can see all the entire lumber yard, you know, from the from the street and the store inside recently remodeled looks really, really nice in there. And uh, yeah, this is
1: an amazing facility. Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about some Makita tools today, uh, but we're also going to talk about projects that uh, we've been working on. Projects that you could potentially find, you know, useful tools from Makita that'll really help you out in some of those projects. Checks.
2: Yeah, we're actually going to be interviewing Eric Deal with uh, Makita uh, in, a little later in the show, and we're going to be talking to him about. He uh, heard his name. Some of the technology that goes into it. Some of uh, Makita's, uh, you know, their vision that they had when they when they started to put together this line of cordless tools and how it all works together. It's uh, and and then some some of the things that are coming up in the next turn of new tools by Makita. He was talking about some of the super innovative things that they're coming up with next.
1: Well they call this the driving innovation tour because they really are so innovative in some of the things that they're designing and manufacturing. It really Goes above and beyond any other tool manufacturer out there. I mean, they have a cordless lawnmower now. (laughs) Ah, yeah. That uses just two regular Makita batteries from your impact driver. You take it off the impact driver. You put it on your lawnmower. You mow your lawn. You take it off your lawnmower. You put it on your trimmer. (laughs) You trim your lawn. (laughs) Yeah. Take the battery off, put it on the blower, blow it off. I mean, they literally have every tool you would ever need around your house, and they all use the same. Battery. battery, yeah. And the battery technology is unbelievable. <clears throat> he told me they're coming out with a lawnmower, a lawnmower, a self-propelled lawnmower, and it takes four batteries, and it will mow an acre. Wow, an acre. Yeah, that's some of the innovation
2: that's that's forthcoming, right? Yeah. You know, I think about the, I think about the term. You ever heard the term "cut the cord"? Yes. Hey, cut the cord. I mean, I think think they're talking
1: about cable, but yeah, I know what you mean.
2: I think they're they're referring to the umbilical, probably, right? (laughs) Let go of what's been feeding you and move on. But in this case, we're talking about the power. Cut the power cord and be mobile. Be cordless. Be all you can be. Have your batteries in. uh, I was out there with my hands on the chainsaw a little while ago. Yeah, you were. Man, that chainsaw is sweet. Cut through that 6 by 6 like butter. I absolutely uh, did not want to put that down.
1: If you want to see what Tony looks like in orange chaps, <laughs> make sure you go check out our uh, Facebook uh. page and YouTube page. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got some really good video of Tony wearing orange safety chaps. <laughs> while cutting a log.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, it was a really good time. Those those tools are amazing. We're going to be talking about a lot of those things. We're going to be talking about some of their more specialty tools, like, for example, a track saw. We'll spend some time talking about that. And uh, some of the tools that are just sets them apart from other tools like that. And then on top of all of that, of course, is the technology that the batteries use, which make them... Um, work really good and for a long time. Uh, there's just so much to talk about, actually. Uh, here's something else. I don't know if you saw this or not over there. Some of the literature they have there refers to secure lock. And the secure lock is talking about your battery and your charger or maybe your battery and your tool. And if your battery is not being used on your tool, it won't work on any other tool. Really? This is what I'm telling you. I saw this piece of I'm going to ask Eric about that the the secure lock technology. I want to understand it, but it said right at the top of the literature. It said, um, "No more stolen batteries. Secure lock ensures that your batteries are only used with your tools." Now, naturally, if they're going to steal the whole tool, <laughs> True. Then, then they win, right? But uh, but if you're just losing batteries, well, they 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 found a way to put a stop to that.
1: That's amazing technology. I mean, it's uh, there there are companies out there that sell things like that, right? That that you add to the tool like for if it gets stolen and has, you know, radar, you know, radio waves in it that, you know, tell you where it is and those sorts of things. Yeah. It's it's amazing. It's really cool stuff.
2: Later in the show, we're also going to be giving you some tips on how to be a successful DIYer. And just since it's early in the show and we have that list for you later, we'll just give you the number 1 item. worth of Makita tools? (laughs) Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be said that way, but the number one item on the list of how to be a successful DIYer is have the right tool available to you when you start the project. The right tool for the job. Sometimes you buy the tool. Sometimes you rent the tool, but you have to have access to the tool, and that will make your project successful. Alright, we gotta take a quick break. When we come back, we're actually gonna be talking to a representative from the Chamber of Commerce here in Springfield. You listen to Tony Core, your weekend warriors? Don't go away. Huh?
0: Show built by Parlumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Corey Valdez. I'm Tony Cookson, and uh, we are on location today at Bar Lumber in Springfield on a windy day here. Yeah, and uh, we're here for the Makita Driving Innovation Tour. There's a, a big Makita truck here selling some amazing deals. Inside, you get a bunch of free batteries. So next time you're around and you hear about the Makita Driving Innovation Tour, uh, you should swing by. Yeah. Uh, We have a special guest sitting down with us today. Vonnie Mickelson, she is the president and CEO of the Springfield Chamber of Commerce. Welcome.
3: Thank you. That is great to be here.
1: So tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about the Chamber of Commerce and what what you guys do over there.
3: Yeah. So the Springfield Chamber is an uh, incredible Chamber of Commerce. I call it the Chamber Community because we've got businesses, we've got community leaders. We've got organizations and uh, we're all kind of working together towards some goals around workforce development, around uh, creating a nice uh, vitality in our local community and economy, working on some catalytic projects along the riverfront and in other areas, and and we come out on sunny days like this yes. <laughs> to celebrate with uh, our great members like Par Lumber. So.
1: Well, we were glad you're here. Uh, this uh, revitalization of Springfield area, you said, is just blowing up. Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Oh yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, just right along the what, what we call Main Street or South A, you all are front-facing on South A, you're kind of right in the epicenter of some a lot of the um, revitalization that we've been seeing so about two minutes down the road uh, to the west of us is our center for business and food and drink and arts and All kinds of activities. That's where uh, I hang out most of the time. Yeah, the food and (laughs) the drink and and a little bit of arts (laughs) when you have time. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, okay. (laughs) If there's food and drink,
2: I can take on some art. That's fine. Well, I'll just put
3: one plug out there. Public House, which is uh, restored, um, former First Christian Church, believe it or not. Interesting. Restored incredibly cool interior. Uh, folks came back uh, into town, invested in that, breathed some life into it. It's a beautiful structure inside there. It's a food hub, food and drink hub. So we've got multiple places, gathering oh, cool. spaces. But yeah. just last year, they hit uh, G Men's Journal magazine, top 10 really? coolest places in America wow. to drink craft beer. So there you go. In right, Springfield, right here or Oregon. In Springfield, in Springfield, Oregon. So is Amazing. it the same
1: public public house that's in Cannon Beach? No, different public house.
3: Completely different. You've never seen anything like it. Okay, because there is a there is a brew pub in
1: Cannon Beach called yeah. Public House. Yeah, there's some. I
3: think it's that it's a term used. I, I don't know if it comes from the motherland. Uh, you know the. the oh, yeah. but I've heard it around and used in other ways. But okay, this okay. one is the real public, public house, house All right. Well,
1: I'm kind of excited to go there. <laughs> I'm
2: excited to see it. I mean, if it's uh, if it's number one yeah. place to drink craft beers in America, that's a place <laughs> I need to visit, especially if it's two minutes from me right now. Let's take a quick break. We're going to go get something to drink. <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work right now.
2: No, we are on the radio. Of course, <laughs> oh. we have, to, oh, that's we have right. to stay and keep doing this. But uh, yeah, Springfield is very exciting. Of course, you are adjacent to... To what would otherwise be known as world-renowned Eugene yes. right yeah with a big university yeah. and lots of amazing things have Oregon. happened there mm-hmm. Corey of course is an enormous duck fan mm-hmm. uh, and Go Ducks. so how Go Ducks. tell us um, tell us about how how is it to be do you feel sometimes like the little sibling?
0: To
3: Eugene, I mean, you guys are so close. Well, now that you put it that way, normally we don't oh, because we are who we are, right? I did and, that to you. Uh, I put that on you. I'm so sorry. But no, you know, I, I honestly, though, we um, we many times we work together as a region. We obviously have to. It's what makes us better working together. I will say that Springfield has emerged as a truly, authentically strong. Uh, uh, economy and business community and partner therefore a great partner in any of our regional collaborations so speaking of the University of Oregon and obviously Tract Town USA right. which is generally sort of um, uh, thought of as a Eugene and University of Oregon sort of feature well with Hayward Track coming online in a couple of months and some great events in our not and our very near future now Springfield has begun to uh, put claim their, put their flag in the ground, and a couple of things coming up: Olympic trials in uh, summer, this summer, nine-day event in July, Springfield, Oregon, downtown Springfield, around nearby the public house, but also a number of our other blocks in downtown Springfield will be the race walk, so the official race walk of the Olympic trials. So first time ever held in Springfield. Downtown Springfield, so it's a big deal That's because huge. we that tend is a big to deal. get yeah a lot of fans and um, obviously the participants and I guarantee you that our business, our businesses and our community will come out and be a great cheering uh, uh, section for that. So we're going to make a great mark there. So we're getting ready for that, preparing for that, getting our businesses excited and our community excited, um, and we're working on another project catalytic project. Uh, folks in the region are, are just hearing about it. We've actually been working on it for a couple of years because it's a big project. It's pretty complicated. Uh, but an indoor track and event facility wow. that will be complementary to the outdoor, the incredible, world-class outdoor at Hayward. Hayward, um, And just you know a couple stops on the MX away uh, from all of that will be the indoor track wow. and event uh, house. So interesting thing about the indoor track, the one that we are designing and conceiving is uh, on indoor tracks, we 200 meter track and they're banked. Right. So if right. You know anything about indoor track. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this particular one is a hydraulic track. So in about five minutes with a push of a button, it goes flat. Really? Whoa. And so those events like, for example, even though we love having the home builder show at Willamma Lane, But we know during that time that Willamalane, our Willamalane folks can't, you know, access and use the courts and so on and so forth. But what this facility will do is it will address a huge demand, unmet demand, in our whole region for indoor sports tournaments, including volleyball and basketball and wrestling and gymnastics and pickleball. Oh, yeah. And even some middle-sized concerts and other, even an expo, maybe. Yeah. So it's got that flexibility. And... You know, the hope is that we'll we'll get that at least some uh dirt dug and some signs up by uh the twenty twenty one games the following summer. So
2: that's awesome. You guys have got a lot on your plate right now. I'm that,
3: telling you what, that, we're that rocking. Is absolutely. We're, we're just amazing. getting warmed up. That's what I said. I mean, I we guess really we
2: should have known that Springfield was the up and coming when Parr yeah. Lumber decided to move from their branch from Eugene proper into Springfield. We must have seen the writing on the wall.
3: I got nothing. I, I mean, you know, I, we're just glad to have you here. Yes, yeah. We're just glad to have you here. We really are.
1: So let's talk a little bit about what <laughs> yeah. somebody wants. If somebody wants to get involved with the Chamber of Commerce, yeah. what would that involve? Are you looking for active people to come in and help and, and join? and or, or how does that work?
3: Yeah. So um, what, what we say, the kind of work that we're doing right now, it, it's twofold. You have also an opportunity to engage and be involved and make a difference in your community if you so choose to do that. You also have an opportunity to invest in what your community as a whole through the chamber and chamber members are doing for their community. So if you don't have the time to participate, uh, we'd love to have you there. Obviously, if you can come to some of the events that will help you build relationships and connect to the community, so on and so forth, sit on a committee and Work with us on advocacy for our businesses that mm. desperately need advocacy, particularly in some of the statewide issues. That is, uh, either way, we want to see you uh, uh, giving come in, involved. giving in some way. Yeah. yeah, and and I, it's 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 as easy as um, uh, picking up the phone, giving us a call. Or if you're here, <laughs> the audience, raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand. And we're, we're, we're there. <laughs> yeah. We're there right. right there. We're right downtown, uh, Springfield, in the old historic depot building, we call it. It's the oldest um, uh, structure of its kind, still standing in Oregon really and yeah That's you'll awesome it's it's hard to miss um it's very unique architectural picture downtown springfield so well that is awesome
2: that. we appreciate so much you taking your time to sit down with us and talk to us a little bit about springfield how amazing springfield is we love springfield i know we've been blown away we've been absolutely blown away. been blown away beautiful weather thank you Vonnie nicholson thank you and i just like to say Chamber thank you
3: very much to all the folks that wonderful folks at par lumber from the very first day you came into town to today, I just can't tell you how much we all appreciate the work that you're well, thank doing. Thank
2: you. All thank right, you. folks, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today, we're on location in Springfield, Oregon, at the brand-new par lumber that we just put up here, and it is gorgeous.
2: Yeah, we actually uh, relocated since... <laughs> we, we had to move inside. Since our last segment. The, I mean, it got to be super windy yeah, out we there. we were
1: getting blown away. We almost lost our canopy, and... The, uh,
2: the weather is beautiful. It is beautiful, but somehow these, these sneaker... Uh, the sneaker wind came in and just started uh, blowing our stuff up, so we moved in. It's a little echoey in here, but it it's bad. fine.
1: It's fine. We're uh, we're we're happy to be nice and warm in here and not getting blown away. Absolutely.
2: Well, we've got another guest. When they, in our last segment, we talked to the Chamber of Commerce, uh, Vonnie uh, with the Chamber Mickelson. of Commerce, he Vonnie Mickelson, Mickelson. here in Springfield. Uh, but now we're moving on to the star of the show. This is uh, this is the star of the show. Eric Deal with Makita.
4: Thank you, guys. Appreciate being on the show today. I really appreciate you having me.
2: Here's the thing, Eric. We're excited to be here. Here's the thing. I, we have to talk about this because you're like, this is the way I think about you, right? You're kind of like the Coors rep or the <laughs> Budweiser rep whenever they show up at a, an event or a party, right? Everybody wants to be your friend because you have the coolest product in the place. Do you ever just feel kind of like, yeah, I got this great stuff,
4: you know? We do. I, I definitely feel like that. When we show up to an event and we have all the cool new tools, everybody wants to stop by and check it out. And it's definitely something that, that tracks people and brings them in to be able to talk about all the new technology and all the new tools that are always coming out. Because there's always something new being released from Makita.
1: Well, Tony and I show is we call it the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show because we are Weekend Warriors. And, you know, we always say you have to have the right tool to be a successful Weekend Warrior. And Makita really falls into that. Everything you guys make is so well thought out, you know, from the batteries to every tool. I mean, it's really incredible. And uh, Tony and I were talking about that in the last segment or a couple segments ago uh, about the different innovative things you guys are doing, which is what we kind of want to talk with you about some of the cool new stuff you guys are coming out with, because I think last time we talked to you, the battery technology is getting crazy. You guys are doing unbelievable things with that. What else is going on with those batteries?
4: So the battery technology is always evolving and the motor technology is actually always evolving. We have a um, new system of batteries coming out. We have our current 36 volt system of batteries that are 218 volts running off a single tool and we have our new 6 amp hour battery that has extended the runtime of those 36 volt tools. Um, the motor technology. So not a lot of people know this, but Makita got started over hundred years ago as a motor manufacturer. So we are one <laughs> of the only tools. Really? Yeah. And we've been in business for a long time, making just professional power tools and we make our own motors. We design the tool around the motor. We make our own motors and that's why our tools now are replacing gas tools. They're replacing corded tools. Because the innovation and technology of the motors and the batteries are taken off for us.
2: I mean, you guys literally have put all of your eggs in the cordless basket, the the proverbial cordless basket.
4: Yes. Oh, yeah. Any new technology being researched is all about cordless. We're shutting down our gas facilities um, because that whole market, even our gas equipment, is moving cordless. Now the motor technology and the, the battery technology, we can replace corded tools easily. That happened a few years ago. Now we're replacing gas tools.
1: It's truly amazing because, you know, we talk about on the show all the time, you know, getting ready for the fall, getting ready for the spring. And a lot of that, the things that you have to do revolve around gasoline engines. You know, hey, put take the gas out of your your lawnmowers and your weed eaters and all of your small engines because it will ruin them over the wintertime. And the same thing when the spring comes, you got to get all that stuff cleaned up, get it ready. Because I don't know how many times I've gone out to try to start something, my you know my mower or my weed eater, and it just you're pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling <laughs> and taking it apart and cleaning it out and putting fresh gas. It's very frustrating, and it's terrible for the environment. I mean, they say that a single lawnmower is the equivalent of like ten cars or something on the road because yeah. you know the technology in uh, gas automobiles captures all of that, those gases, but a lawnmower, pff, straight on through. Yeah. You know, and uh, the, the but the biggest drawback, right, was that you couldn't get a powerful enough battery or a powerful enough electric motor to be able to mow your whole lawn up until like recently you had to have, if you wanted a, an electric mower, you had to have a power cord, right? Yep. An extension cord, a hundred footer that you had to push and Drag that cord along and <laughs> push some more and try not to run it over on your way back. I mean, yeah. truly was not good technology. It was better than gas, but it wasn't good. And you guys have kind of crossed that barrier.
4: Yeah, and uh, it goes back to the motors. We developed a new motor that has the rotor on the outside. We call it an outer rotor motor. <laughs>
1: an an rotor. outer rotor motor. Yep. Outer
4: rotor Say that three times fast. Uh Theater? That uh that along with the thirty six volt technology of twin batteries has been able to, to take the mower cordless. Our our current mower will do a seven thousand square foot yard. Our next generation of mower, which will hold four batteries, it'll run on a thirty six and then switch to the rear thirty six, you're gonna get easily over a half acre with a self propelled twenty one inch deck mower off of a battery technology. That's wow. amazing.
2: Adding a new capability in the self propelled and extending the life of the of the or, or what it'll do on one set of batteries. That's amazing.
4: Yeah, and it just keeps getting better and better. As it as this technology is coming out, we just keep launching new tools from construction, doing stuff on the weekends. Then that battery you can take, throw it in your mower, throw it in your cordless coffee maker, and you can move batteries from what you're using through the week to take them home and also power your home on the weekend.
2: But Makita has come a long way from the old banana battery. Do you remember the banana battery? Or have you seen pictures or I, heard people tell
1: stories? The long, the long, narrow 9.6-volt ones yeah. you're talking about?
4: I keep one of those tools usually with me at all the events, a working 9.6-volt drill to show people that Makita's quality is a 30-year-old cordless tool that is still running. No other manufacturer can bring out a 30-year-old cordless tool and drive some screws with it. I'll
2: tell you what, that tool, uh, we sold we sold countless, countless of those tools. That 9.6-volt Makita drill, man, that was the hottest thing on the market at that time. And it's funny. It had a really long handle. Yeah, really long handle because yeah. it had to house the really long battery, which was really great. But um, it, it's funny because it has been so long. It was so popular back then. And to see how far you guys have come with cordless technology since then is just amazing to me.
1: I really want I'm really interested in this battery technology because there's there's a lot of technology going into batteries these days. The original ones were NiCad, right? Nickel cadmium. Yep. And then out came nickel metal hydride. And now you guys are making your batteries out of lithium ion?
4: Yeah, we've had the same lithium battery now for over 14 years. We've had the same we pioneered the 18 volt lithium ion battery in 2005.
1: Wow. And now there's some there's different numbers on them. What does that mean? There's there's the three and the five.
4: Yeah, so in a battery, and this you, you see this throughout different manufacturers, because they have different voltages and different amp hours. Your voltage is going to be your power. That's how much power your tool has. So when we have an eighteen volt drill, the volts is how much power. Then you're gonna have your amp hour rating, which is gonna be the numbers after that, and that's gonna be your runtime. So you will have your power and your runtime rating. The higher the amp hour, the more the runtime. The higher the voltage, the more power. So when you put two Makita 18-volt batteries on a tool and you're getting 36 volts, you're getting a true 36 volts of power, and then your amp hours determine your runtime. But the advantage to Makita is you don't need the same amp hour batteries on a 36-volt tool. You can run a 3 and a 5 or a 2 and a 5. When your lower amp hour battery dies, it will shut the 36 volt tools down, mm. but the batteries are all interchangeable across the 36 volt tools and the 18 volt
3: line.
1: There's actually something that I learned today outside that you guys are developing technology that helps batteries last longer. Like on that lawn mower, there's a button that slows down the uh, the blades on the mower. And then when you're pushing it through a tough spot, it senses it and ramps up the power just while you're going through that hard spot.
2: It's smart. They're smart tools on top of being super powerful. Eric, stick around. We need to talk to you a little bit more. we got to take a quick break. You're listening to Tony Core, Your Weekend Warriors. We'll be right back.
0: to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for sticking around. We are sitting at Par Lumber in Springfield, Oregon, talking with Eric Deal from Makita. We're very excited to be here. Uh, We've actually teamed up with Makita this year. We're going to be doing some really, really cool stuff. So if you haven't already, go check out our Instagram, our Facebook, our YouTube. We're at WW Home Show. We've got all kinds of really cool videos, and we're going to be doing some really cool announcements on there. So I would go check that out. Also, you can catch our podcasts on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and of course, Apple, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, brother. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of them. There's so many. In the podcasts... Are taking off, and it's surprising how many people like to listen to our show. Uh, I don't know why, but
2: yeah, well, Dan you know,
1: Duffy was just in here. That's right,
2: our biggest fan. He Dan was our, Duffy, he's the sixth person to listen to our radio show weekly. Um, Corey, right before the break, you said that you actually learned something new about Makita today. You yes. learned something new. You were out there in front of the. Driving Innovation Tour Truck, which is a truck that Makita owns that is loaded with all of their cordless tools, or at least a whole bunch of them. It's impressive, too. And they drive to different locations and they open up that truck and it's just loaded with uh, Makita stuff. And then you can demo it. You can cut some wood, or you can drill some holes in concrete, or you can wrap some metal around some other metal, or you know, I mean, there's all the things you want to do with all the tools that they have there. And so this truck goes on a tour. Well, it tours par yards. As a matter of fact, there's like eight stops I think in the next two months, February and March, you can actually see all of the dates where the Makita Driving Innovation Tour Truck is gonna be at a PAR Lumber Company probably near you. Um, Just go to par.com, P-A-R-R.com. Look at events and under events, you'll find the Makita Driving Innovation Tour Truck and all of the dates where they're gonna be and you can go check those out. But you said you learned something new out at the truck today. And uh, about the lawnmower, which I thought was cool. I also learned something new out at the truck today. Would you like to know what that is? What is that? I learned today that I look smashing in... A Makita hat? Yes, I do. Yeah, I look smashing (laughs) in chaps. Orange chaps. Yes. uh, Fluorescent orange chaps, which is what I donned when it was my time to wield the chainsaw that uh, also runs off of two 18-volt batteries. That... Chainsaw, I think it was two 18-volt batteries. Yeah, that chainsaw is amazing.
4: Yeah, that chainsaw will actually replace a 32cc gas saw. So it runs off a twin 18s. It's got a 14-inch organ bar and chain on it. And that that tool will now replace a two-stroke 32cc gas saw. For people that want to take it camping, want to take it hunting, it's the perfect saw to have out there without having to pack a gas can along with it.
1: A gas can and the noise... I mean, if you're out hunting and you want to cut some wood, you don't want to be starting a chainsaw. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. You don't want to be messing with
2: all the things you have to mess with to get a chainsaw running, to keep a chainsaw running. They're the most finicky things to keep running, I I feel like. And, uh, yeah, but this chainsaw was so nice. I mean, you know, I I clicked out off the safety uh, item that
1: was on the front of the thing there and just just zipped through that 6 by 6 like it was nothing. That was awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. I mean, even the average framer uh, who's doing larger beams, they use chainsaws a lot to uh, trim up beams and, and get them into, you know. Yeah, places. I, here's something else. Uh, does Makita make and sell a beam
4: saw? We do. And it was 16 inch, right? 16 and 15 16s, so almost 17 inch beam saw.
1: So, but there, that one is corded.
4: Corded, it's heavy, it's big. Uh, well, it's I'm, like, yeah,
1: it's like. <laughs> It's like that big. And here's the thing about
2: that beam saw. That beam saw, which has been purchased by contractors for dozens of years. I, in the early 90s, I was selling Makita beam saws like they were going out of style. I mean, we sell them a lot. They're very heavy and clunky. They're, I mean, you have to know how to use it to use it safely because it's a
1: big saw. It's needed or it has been needed to do some of the things. But Well, if you're cutting through 6 by and 8 by. You can't do that in one pass, right? With a seven and a quarter inch saw, right? You only you can the biggest you can cut through on a seven and a quarter is like almost a four by. I mean, can you cut through a four by with a seven and a quarter? I don't think you can. But I'll tell you what. Not in one pass. Not this one is pass. what
2: I'm here to tell you. When you think about that beam saw, wielding that beam saw, that heavy, dangerous kind of beam saw, which is for one specific purpose to cut big beams, I've seen guys with chainsaws that can make a cut as clean and pretty as that beam saw can make. I mean, it's all about skill. And skill comes from practice. And practice, you can do after you buy a Makita chainsaw. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Buy your own Makita chainsaw and just practice with it a lot, and then you won't need that big old beam saw.
0: Yeah, right.
4: The the chainsaw (laughs) definitely weighs a lot less, and the advantage to it over gas is it starts every time. You don't have to worry about priming, pulling, none of that. Press the button, and you're live.
1: Well, so it was interesting because remember when he was telling you there's a button on there, and we were like, what is that button for? And he said it was for overpowering or overcharging. Yep, turbocharging
2: turbo or whatever. Turbocharging
1: the, the motor, essentially. And give ex- that extra. Explain, explain this to me because it's really interesting, the technology that goes into this, because you don't need that power all the time. It's only when you hit certain areas, like maybe a knot in the wood.
4: Yeah, or you're cutting a really hard wood, it will just apply more power. So it goes back to what you were talking about with the lawnmower. A lot of our tools are becoming smart tools, and they have automatic speed control, where they can sense the load, and the motor will adjust itself to accommodate for the load. Now, on the chainsaw, you have the option of turning that on and off. On a lot of our tools, it's just built in and will only engage when it needs that extra bit of power. Um, An example is the 7 and a quarter inch rear handle saw that you guys own, mm-hmm. that also actually has that feature built into it. And if you're ripping a four-by-eight sheet of plywood, most of the time it's going to want to pinch and shut your saw. This will actually apply more torque to power through that cut before it bogs your saw down and shuts it off.
2: Interesting. Very interesting. Now, you wouldn't, of course, want to run uh, that extra turbo for a prolonged period of time, but in order to get through you know, certain cuts, it, that is a great um, ability that it
4: has yeah it's an extra advantage that's there so we can we can give you a longer runtime that cordless seven and a quarter will make uh, over 500 cuts across a two by four but when you need that extra bit of power it's there so you're going to get your runtime and you're not sacrificing the power
1: that's
2: amazing. I tell you what one of the really one of the coolest combos that I was looking at when we were out there is the way the vacuum system that you have works with some of the tools. the vacuum first of all, tell us about the vacuum.
4: So the vacuum, we make a few that are actually um, backpack. We make two different styles of backpack or canister cordless vacuums. They're 36 running off the 18s, but they have a system that we call AWS or auto wireless start. And what that'll do is when you have a tool that has the same technology, the tool will turn your vacuum on and off with the trigger of the tool. So you're not running your battery vacuum constantly and running your batteries down. You're only getting the suction when you need it.
2: That's awesome because in the shop when Corey and I are working, I feel like the one statement that he makes more than any other statement is turn on the vacuum, turn off the vacuum, turn on the vacuum, turn Turn off the vacuum. I thought it was stop, stop, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, that was the other one. (laughs) Stop it. They were both very, very, uh, I hear them a lot. But uh, yeah, that's the thing. You have to turn on the suction or the vacuum, operate the saw and then turn it off. But with Makita, the synced, right? Which it's like br- a Bluetooth, right? yeah. Which yep. actually brings me to my next question, which I saw a piece of literature out there that said uh, Sync Lock. Tell me what you know about the Sync Lock battery feature.
4: So the Sync Lock battery feature is something that Makita is very, very proud of. It's a true anti-theft deterrent for our batteries. Any battery that you buy from Makita that has the power indicator on the back of the battery has this technology already built in. It's there. It exists. You just need to get a terminal for your battery, plugs into your computer, and you're allowed to program the battery for a specific amount of hours, days, weeks, how long you want your battery to run and operate for. It'll work normally as our batteries do, charge, run in the tools, but when that timer goes off, it shuts the battery down. The battery will now no longer work until it's reconnected to your sync lock terminal. Now... Everybody asks, well, if I go buy a sync lock terminal and I got a battery, can I unlock it? No, you program a pin to the terminal in your battery. So if somebody steals your battery, they can take it and sell it. And in a few days that battery may not work anymore. And nobody knows if that battery is sync locked or not. So the, the, the goal is to deter theft of your batteries because we're going to reduce the stolen retail value of our tools it's a true anti-theft. that battery will not work and if it's taken to our service center and they want to exchange it because they say it's defective and they find that battery's been sync locked they will politely ask them to go back and unlock that battery before they'll warranty it wow so only nice a true user can get their batteries replaced that are sync locked
1: it'd be nice if they could plug it in and say this battery actually belongs to Tony Cookston. Yeah, that's right. That would so, be great. We're just going to go ahead and return that to him.
4: <laughs> there is actually a field in where when you program the battery where you can put, it's either eight to 10 characters of a name. So you can put your company name in there. And when they go to read the battery, they will see that on the battery. And they can notify people that we've had a battery and it's had your name on it. Man, is doing some amazing stuff, aren't
2: they? Eric Deal, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate talking to you again today. Have a amazing rest of
4: your day. Yeah, thank you, guys. Really great. appreciate being on the show. And just, again, thank you for this wonderful partnership. A great company like Car Lumber, uh, the Pride Cell Phone Service, um, and a company like Makita that makes quality and private Cell Phone Service. Really excited for the partnership.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I agreed. All right, got to take another quick break. You're listening to Tony or Your Week in Warriors. Don't go away.
0: by par lumber when it comes to big or small projects around the home tony and cory have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier now here's tony and Corey.
1: hey welcome back to the weekend warriors home improvement show built by par lumber thanks for staying with us i want to say thanks to eric deal uh, with makita we are super excited to be a part of makita this year um, thank you for the hats. They're really nice. They are nice. It feels good. We are uh, on location today. With the, we're at the Par Lumber in Springfield, Oregon, at the brand new store. Uh, we had to bring it inside because it got so windy. It is gorgeous out there, but that wind—yep—is beautiful, but it's a little treacherous. It, it
2: almost blew our uh, canopy away. That we were sitting <laughs> under a canopy. <laughs> And it lifted it right up off the ground like it was going to... I know. Good thing we were standing there. Otherwise... Deposited in the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, but we got through that. We had um, we had actually Vonnie with the Chamber of Commerce here in Springfield on the phone. We talked about some amazing things that are coming up in Springfield. Springfield seemingly an up-and-coming town. And, uh, and Par Lumber has just recently brought this location here to Springfield and remodeled it. It's very, very nice. It's right here on... A Street, South A, she called it. It's also, she said, their, their main street, so everything is on this street. But right on South A here in Springfield, and it's a great location. Uh, the Makita Innovation, Driving Innovation Tour truck is here, and we were talking with Eric Deal about all the Makita stuff, and the hats are great. And um, But, you know, we also promised the listeners that we would spend a little bit of time talking about things that make um, you a successful DIYer. And, of course, that is a very deep subject. There's a lot of things to talk about. Um, But we thought we might try to bring you a a list of things that we feel like you could do to to make your DIY projects, you know, successful.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things, right, that can can make you a successful DIYer. You know, and a part of it is having the right tools. And we've said this on the show before many times you know, use the right tool for the job and don't skimp out and buy the cheapest thing because it's the cheapest, but also that works the opposite way. I mean, you don't want to buy the most expensive thing if you're only going to use it a handful of times. Sometimes it does make sense to rent a tool. Absolutely. Sometimes it makes sense to borrow a tool as much as some people hate lending out or or borrowing tools. Um, Here's a tip though. If you're going to lend out a tool, Hand it to the person you're lending it to and take a picture of them with it. So that way, if you are thinking to yourself, dang I wonder it, where... where that shovel is, yeah, where is my shovel? You know, you'll remember when you see it on your phone, Tony has my shovel. Yep. That's a pretty good tip. And if you're the borrower of the
2: tool who just posed for a picture from the guy who owns the tool, when you return it, make sure you make him take a picture. Because otherwise you'll return it, he doesn't take a picture, and then all he remembers is that he lent it to you last, even though it's probably rusting out there in the garden where he <laughs> left it after you returned it. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it is it is great to have friends that have tools because sometimes
1: borrowing a tool is the only way to get it done. And, well, uh, in, you know, here's the thing about borrowing tools. Personally, whenever I borrow something, I return it to the person that I borrowed it from in better condition than what I received it in. That's a good rule of thumb. If somebody lends you a anything, clean it up before you give it back. Refill it if it's necessary. Right. If it came, if it came with a half a tank of gas, return it with a full tank of gas. Uh, it's like the same thing. If you borrow somebody's truck, I whenever I would borrow anybody's truck, I would return it with a full tank of gas. It's just the way, you know, you, that's to be courteous. Yeah. If you want to continue that relationship and borrow things again... You know, returning somebody's uh, lawnmower or rototiller to them all muddy—you know, you're, you're never—they're not going to let you borrow it again. Yeah,
2: here's something that goes. This is not a tool, but it goes right along with that same line of thinking. If your neighbor brings you a um, a tray of brownies just to, to be nice, they just bring you a tray of hot brownies.
1: <laughs> you should return the tray clean. You
2: can't return the tray empty. The tray has to go back full. Oh. So now you have to bake cookies and take them back. And then they will feel obligated to bake lemon bars and bring it back. And then you have to bake. You see what I'm saying? It's a whole big thing. That's it, how Corey and I got to be so, so very much like Weeble Wobbles. <laughs> Weeble Wobbles wobble, but they don't fall down. That's Corey and I. That's because we never return a dish empty. That's where at some point
1: you just say, hey, I brought you some cookies. You say, get them out of my face. <laughs> yeah. I'm not eating those. Absolutely. Anyway, so let's talk a little bit about uh, being a successful things that will help you become a, a successful DIYer. And quite honestly, it the number one thing that I do personally that makes my project successful is planning, planning and budgeting. If you don't have a proper plan for how your project is going to go together, and and budget for contingencies, you know when you're when you're demoing out an old bathroom, which is my next project, right? You know, I'm demoing out my uh, hall bath and I'm demoing out my master bath. And I have gone through and I have priced everything out that I think is going to go into it. Did I think of everything? No. Maybe not. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, there's going to be things where I'm going to go, shoot, I forgot that one thing right there. And it might be $10 or it might be $200. But if you don't put any sort of buffer in any project, you're asking for trouble. Contingency. Contingency. And here's the thing. If you conti- you know, don't plan it out properly, for instance, uh, day one, and you're like, I hate this bathroom. I'm, I'm demoing it out. Bam, 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 bam. Take your hammer, smash everything out. Now what? Oh, I guess I better go pick out a uh, vanity. <laughs> well, a lot of times, unless you're walking into a park cabinet outlet, you can't walk out with a vanity. You know, you have to order it. It might take two weeks. It might take three weeks. It might take two months. You don't know because you didn't plan out Yeah, I thought what countertop. You
2: were, I thought what you were going to say was demo day. Bam, 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 bam. Now what? I better go rent a portalette. Because I don't have a bathroom <laughs> that right now. too. This is another thing to think about, right? It's a working bathroom. Unless you have another bathroom that's going to suffice,
1: uh, then you know that's something you have to consider. Absolutely, you know, and think about think about that. And if you say, "Well, <clears throat> I had a friend of mine call me one time," a different friend, I have another one. Trust me, you do. Uh, he calls me up and he's like, "Hey, man, I want to get my bathroom remodeled." His master bathroom. Uh, do you think we could get it done this weekend? <laughs> no. And I said, say what? <laughs> I mean, he wanted to start on Friday and be done with it by Sunday. And we're talking major bathroom overhaul. He wanted to demo out the entire, all the ceramic floor tile, the shower, retile everything. And I said, you are out of your mind. I said, you won't even get demo done this weekend. Yeah. He thought he could get demo done on Thursday night, put the hardy backer in on Friday night, tile it on Saturday and you know, grout, grout it on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, And then and I, I said that that is impossible. I said, you're, you're going to spend way more time than that. It was just, he just didn't know. It always pays to talk to people that know and have done projects like this. You can walk into any par lumber and say, you know, I want to talk to somebody about this project and Get real information. I tell you what, we got a, we got a lot to talk about when it comes to this, but we got to
2: take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekly.
0: Tony and
1: Corey. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today, Tony and I are sitting at Par Lumber in Springfield, Oregon, at this beautiful brand-new store. And uh, we've been hanging out with the Makita guys today, but uh, we're broadcasting from inside the store. It got a little windy outside. But today we're talking about tips for becoming a successful uh, Weekend Warrior or DIYer.
2: Your first tip actually was uh, that to plan, plan and budget was your first tip, and that's a great uh, that's a great way to look at it. I take a, a just a slightly little different angle. It's the same thing that you're saying, plan and budget, but I'm going to give you a new word, visualize. I feel like while you can plan and budget, sometimes it's still not going to get you as close as you need to be before you start unless you can visualize it happening. You need to be able to, in your mind, start and complete the project. If there are blank spots in your visualization, that's an area you probably need to focus on and make sure you understand all of those things. I will oftentimes sit with Corey and we'll start talking about a project here, a carport. We've been talking about building a carport on my property. We start talking about the carport. We start with the holes. He says, are they going to be up on the upper tier or down on the lower tier? Uh, How big around are they going to be? What about the poles? How tall do they have to be? How tall does the thing, the trailer have to be that's going to go in there? What's the peak? What's your highest point? How high is it to the electrical wire that's overhead? I mean, you start, and we haven't even dug a hole yet. We're already into this deep conversation about visualizing the project getting done. Once the poles are stood, right, we need a ladder. Then we're going to have to put those those uh, beams, of course, in between. Tie those together that way. That's all got to be done. And then across the other way, the rafters, right, and the joists and all that gets done. And then sheeting and then the, the asphalt roofing that's going to go on top. And the whatever cladding or maybe we're going to put girders in the sides. All of that stuff. You have to visualize it going in and you being able to do it. And when there's a big blank spot, you think to yourself, hmm, how am i going to get that part done? Because if you don't have a complete vision from beginning to end, it's going to derail your project.
1: Totally a lot of people run in and they rush into these projects without talking to the people, uh, the professionals that that know what they're doing, you know, for like for instance that project, you could walk into any par lumber and talk to somebody there and explain how how you want to do this and and take a few minutes and ask um, how how am i going to ask yourself, how am i going to get these big beams in the air? Is it, you know, I'm going to need at least two, three people with some ladders to haul these 200 yep. pound beams in the air. Yep. Or am I going to need a crane or am I going to need, you know, some sort of lift? You know, you want to have these things in place. But like you said, before you start digging holes and getting a big pile of material delivered out there. So that visualization is a very important aspect Uh, Because if you can't visualize the project from start to finish and how you're going to do certain things and what tools you're going to need, it's going to take way longer than you think. Yeah. Way longer. Let me tell you a story real quick about my friend who wanted to remodel that bathroom. Oh, yeah. I love this story already. He wanted to to do it in four days, essentially. Four days. (laughs) He ended up hiring somebody to do it.
2: Wait, was it the people from Extreme Home Makeover? No. Because I understand they can get a project like that done in
1: four days. <laughs> uh, they hired somebody and they are in their third month. What? The professional contractor is in his third month working on this bathroom. And I bet it's going to be amazing when it's done. I'm sure it will. But it's a primary
2: example of how all of the details that go into a project like that, a bathroom
1: remodel, is is no joke. Totally. I mean, and I'm not here to discourage. I'm here to encourage you to do these things because I'm a weekend warrior and I like taking on challenges. But I've done enough projects now in my lifetime that have have really <laughs> gone south. Sure, you know what sure. I mean? but earlier on, like we've said before, you know, you take on these things, you learn from them, you do more projects, you learn from those. And I'm at a point now where I'm kind of trying to share that information with you um, in planning. Planning, planning, planning yeah. is so key.
2: Absolutely. Um, here's another thing. You know, we talked about this during the visualization project process and the planning process and the budget process is getting professional advice. Like you said, go to Par Lumber Company. Talk to those people. It doesn't cost you anything to get professional advice. Not if you go to Par Lumber Company. But getting professional advice and then... Check into that advice, right? That will definitely help you and help you get to the next step safely without losing money or spending more time than you want to spend. And I feel like that's just the third, you know, sort of part of that first thing. Uh Planning, uh budgeting, visualizing, and seeking professional advice. And uh, then you can safely take the next step. What is the next step? Ordering your material, probably
1: yeah yeah ordering the material and making sure that you have everything that you need uh for instance this bathroom that we're getting ready to start uh, i had to order a vanity and i knew that vanity was going to take a month to get so i waited for that sitting in the garage uh, i had to get a countertop for it i had to order that sitting in the garage Uh, Also, the tile is going to take a couple weeks, so we have to order that. It's going to be sitting in the garage when I'm ready to go. You said all that really fast, but you skipped over something.
2: Did you buy the first vanity you quoted? I did not. (laughs) I mean, did you buy the second vanity you quoted? I did not. Yeah, I mean, this is what I love because you've got a guy saying, let's do this in four days, and you spent four days just shopping for the right vanity before you even had decided that you were going to ultimately
1: have one made for you. Absolutely. And that's the thing too, is uh, once you decide and then you order it, these thing, a lot of these things with any project, like for instance, a door, you know, if you're installing a new door into a house, you don't go to a place and just buy a door. That's not how typically how things work. Yes, you can sometimes walk in somewhere and they'll have a door sitting on the shelf and you can just buy it, right? But that's not always the case. Sometimes you have to put it in, put the order in, and sometimes it's five days, sometimes it's 25 days. It just really depends on what you pick out. Right. And working with a professional and understanding these things before you pull the trigger will really help you out because in knowing that 25-day door might come with extra lead time and extra cost. So if you say, man, I hate my front door, Think about it that way. Would you just tear your front door out and then go to the store? No. And then find out that, oh, no, a new door is $2,000 that I want. So, you know, you have to just quit putting the car before the horse and plan ahead. Make a spreadsheet, maybe, or a list and price all of the things out that you can ever imagine from start to finish. Visualize that project.
2: And yet we, f- we find ourselves uh, working for par. And advising and selling products all the time. And we find ourselves with a contractor or a homeowner walking in the store and saying, hey, I just took out my front door and I need to replace it. This is somebody telling us they literally have removed their front door and they need to replace it. But they they, they did exactly that. They put the cart before the horse. So then here's one last question. Obviously, anything you have to special order takes longer and is more expensive,
1: right? Mm -hmm. Anything? Not always, but I mean that is a pretty good rule of thumb. You is got the a special quote, order, yeah.
2: You got a quote on a vanity that was in stock at a place, and then you got a quote on a custom-made vanity just for your project. And which one was more expensive? The uh, well, the one in stock. <laughs> yeah, the one in stock was more expensive. It, you know, it, like you said, everything is not created equal. Every situation can be unique, and you just need to do the work. You need to do your due diligence quote the things that you're interested in, and be prepared to potentially have to um, to order something that's special. And you could potentially pay more for it, but not necessarily. Just because it's special order doesn't make it more money. Windows, for example, windows are all special order. I mean, there are some places that keep windows in stock, but most places you go, you order your window for your... Opening in your house, and they make it for you. Yep. We actually have to get to a break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking more about tips for being a successful DIYer. You won't want to miss this. You're listening to Tony Corey, your Weekend Warriors, and we'll be right back.
0: To the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for sticking around. Tony and I are broadcasting live today from the Springfield Par Lumber, this beautiful brand new store. Uh, we're excited to be here, and uh, we've been talking about things that make a successful DIYer. But you know what really makes someone successful? Mm-mm. Watching YouTube videos about home improvements. <laughs> so you can yeah, go absolutely, to that. Yeah. You can go to our channel. Go to youtube.com forward slash www.home uh, We're also on Instagram and Facebook at www.home show. Uh, you can go check out our website. It's WWHomeShow.com. Uh, or if you want something even easier, you can go to par.com. That's P A R R.com. Click on the Weekend Warriors link. Uh, our email address is at par.com. Feel free to email us. We love hearing from you. Tony? If,
2: if you prefer to consume this content via <laughs> podcast, then you will find our podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. <laughs> it's <laughs> consume, a lot to
1: remember. Consume content yes.
2: sounds so It's very professional. utilitarian. Um, so here is the next thing. The next thing on our list of um, how to tips on how to be a successful DIYer, here it is. This is a big one. Uh, you need to be able to accept imperfection. We talked about planning. We talked about budgeting. We talked about visualizing. And we talked about taking the advice of a professional, right? Now, we're not telling you to hand it over to a professional. We're saying accept the advice of a professional and then when you start doing this project that you've never done before and that you only have just conversation about and and visualized you have to realize that it's not going to magically come together like it was done by a, by by a professional
1: <laughs> or by a machine <laughs> kind of like or something kind of like the first time you attempted sheetrock
2: and the 27th time I, I, I attempted sheetrock <laughs> there there are there's just
1: certain things that take a lot of uh, Repetition. Yeah. I mean, you just need a lot of practice. Practice. And experience. Obviously, you're not going to get practice without practicing. And, you know, some people don't have projects to do around their house a lot, you know. So, I mean, it actually, for me, I've, I've helped a lot of other people with projects. I've gone to Habitat for Humanity builds and helped out. And you learn a lot of things and you pick up a lot of information, uh, how to use tools properly uh, the right tool for the right job. You know, you learn those things by helping on other projects or helping at in any other situation that you can. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty good Dude, tip.
2: Yeah, you will get better at that stuff by helping your friends do their projects first, and then when you do your project second, both they're better at it and you're better at it. So your project will end up better than theirs. That's- Unfortunately, my project was first. When it came to kitchens. Uh, but you know what? I'll tell you what, folks. I had to accept a lot of imperfection on my kitchen project. Um, I'd never done it before. And I got into a few things that I just simply didn't really know how to do. And while it came through and got done, almost done. <laughs> it's
1: always there 90%. Were,
2: there were some things that um I would have done a little differently or um, maybe I I wished I'd have been able to do a little bit better. But you know what? I'm super happy with the project. I'm glad that I did it. And it did improve the resale value of my home, and I wouldn't go back. But um, but you know, I had to accept some imperfection.
1: Yeah. No. You, you... did
2: not accept any imperfection on I, your
1: project. I, I typically don't. I mean, honestly. <laughs> I know you don't. You I, are a perfectionist. I am a perfectionist when it comes to my own projects. And I I mean I feel like I'm I've learned enough over the years that I can take my time. If I take my time, I can really do something well. Um, and if I don't have the proper tools, I'll make sure that I do. Don't you feel like, though, at some point in time in your DIY history, that you were at that point? Absolutely. You were, but, you've moved, but you've moved past it. You've I've, graduated. I've moved to the next level of, I mean, I'm not a professional by any means, uh, but I feel like that if I take my time and I do it right, that it turns out that you would never know the difference between the, the work that I'm doing. And if I can't, if I physically can't do it, no matter how hard I try, uh, then I hire it out. Oh. There are aspects of, of any project that I've done that I don't feel comfortable doing it. Uh, I will hire that out to a professional, a professional plumber, or a professional electrician, um, a professional sheet rocker. I mean, a professional sheet rocker, in my opinion, is an artist. <laughs> they come in there and they do their thing, and when they leave, it's it's so nice, and it's very difficult to make sheetrock look nice, and especially in uh, a small room or, or, or a big room. You know, what I mean you're gonna see these things, and that drives me insane. You're not a master at level five smooth wall. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? You One did- thing did you notice in this room that we're in? It's all smooth wall.
2: Yeah. This is. This is commercial, but I get what you're saying. It's nice. It's coming back. Uh, Here's uh, something you said while you were talking about that that takes us to right to our next tip. You said, as long as I take my time, I can put the quality on it that I want it it to be by taking your time. So the next tip is you have to have patience. You definitely have to be patient. If you let yourself get frustrated and pack it in, then you're never going to get to the end of a project you you simply can't do it. You have to you have to stick it out and get it done. And the best way to do that is to when you get to a point where it's getting to be too much, step back, take a deep breath, phone a friend, get <laughs> some ad, get some advice. Phoning a friend is very big. Reflect on the situation a little bit longer than you have. It's going to happen. You're not going to see it coming and then you're going to be like what do I do here? I don't even know what to. Do. I don't even know how to move forward from this spot. Pause.
1: Take a deep breath. Phone a friend. You know where I see a lot of situations like that is transitions. You know, you're transitioning around. Say, say, you say you're doing flooring, and you've never done flooring before in your life. But you, you know, you read the box, you read the instructions, and it's like it's oh, it just snaps in, and I just nail it here, and it's easy. Well, then you get to a situation where you have to transfer, you know, transition into tile or you have to go around a corner and the wall's not straight. And, you know, you, you come across these uh, decisions or these problems that you have to work through and sometimes asking advice. How, how do I do this or how would I go about doing this? And there is a solution because people do it. Right. right. I mean, there are professional uh, men and women out there that do this job that you would never even know and that's really where the patience comes in you you either have to do it you have to learn how to do it and do it right or you have to accept defeat and do it to the best of your ability and live with the results yeah, there's a very, and learn.
2: there's a very small very small minuscule possibility that you're coming across the situation and you'll remodel that somebody else has not already come across, solved, and already knows how to do. Actually, most everybody in in the industry, I'm saying. I mean, that's just the way that it is, right? It's so much of that going on out there. Mm -hmm. Just like Google. You Google something and there's already 7,000 people have chimed in on that. Well, and
1: they already know the question you're going to ask. Yeah, they know. It's (laughs) It's like when you're you're talking about it with your friends and asking questions. How do I – if you just type in (laughs) – how do I... And then it finishes you, your
2: question for you. Yeah, you can probably find your item on the list. <laughs> Just choose it. Transition carpet
1: to hardwood tiles on a, <laughs> on a ramp. Yeah. What? How did it know that? How did it
2: know I was trying to do that? <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting That's uh, all of these things. But you have to have the patience to stop and ask the question, right? And don't be frustrated. If you get frustrated, the person you're asking help from is going to see that you're frustrated and then It's just not gonna get you very far.
1: There are situations that I would say that that you would never call it good enough, right? Or accept uh, imperfections. And that would be if it's a matter of life and safety of a project. Right, absolutely. If if you're taking on the task of building a deck and you're gonna be putting a hot tub on that deck or putting railing on a deck that's 20 feet off the ground, and you're just not quite sure if you did the railing right, it's it's not you should not be willing to accept that imperfection. Absolutely, you're right. We've got one more segment. Don't go, we will
2: be right back. You're listening to Tony Corey, your weekend warriors.
0: Tony
1: and Corey. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Tony and I are talking about how to become a successful DIYer. And uh, before the break, I was talking a little bit about, you know, safety. And there are situations where if you're doing a project and you're just not sure, you know, if, if you have to ask yourself, is this safe? Am I doing this right? Uh, you should probably not just accept it and move on. Uh, for instance, creating an open living area. You live in an older house that is boxed in, and you say, "Well, I want to. I want to take this wall out." Tony had this exact situation in his house. That's right. He wanted to remove a wall. Well, it's not as just as easy as saying, "Yeah, I'll cut it out." Obviously, we know that some people don't. They just started cutting away. And they run into things like electricity. They run into things like plumbing. They run into things like load-bearing walls. (laughs) And sometimes in the event there that that happens, I wouldn't just accept the fact that you've you've cut into a load-bearing wall or you've removed a portion of a load-bearing wall because there are ways to fix it properly and safely. And there are ways that aren't you know, doing my kitchen remodel, for instance, uh, we found so many uh, DIY, unbelievable DIY shortcomings Shortcomings that I'm surprised that, it, I mean, in the event of an earthquake or something, that whole kitchen would have crashed to the ground. Terrible. I mean, it was pieced together unbelievably. Irresponsibly. I mean, Sheet, you know, they took... And unsafely. Electrical outlet outlets and sheetrocked them into the wall with mud. Yeah. They cut load-bearing studs inside of a load-bearing wall to run electricity through and then strapped pieces of wood to the side so it didn't collapse. Yeah. I mean, things like this that if you're just not sure, you need to bring in people that, that know what they're doing to look at your project. And sometimes you do have to admit defeat. And say, please fix this for me. Right. And and again, that goes back to planning. Tony, you planned out your kitchen. And before you cut into that load-bearing wall, you called me. Yep. And said, hey, will you come over and look at this? And I mean, I'm not a structural engineer, uh, but I'm very knowledgeable in uh, load transfer. So I came over. <clears throat> I looked at the plans. I uh, We looked at the actual... Yep, crawl space. Looked in the crawl space and looked at where exactly the load-bearing walls were in your house. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that the wall that you wanted to remove, you couldn't do it.
2: Right at the tip of that wall, there was a point load. Yep. So I could take the wall out, but I'd have to replace
1: it with a post, and that would have been defeating the purpose. Yep, a post or a large beam, which is possible. Nothing is impossible, but again... When you start looking at things, that's where it really helps to talk to professionals because you might say, I want to remove this wall. But knowing full well that removing that wall might cost you 10 times your budget mm-hmm. because that's, you know, that's what you want to do. Um, I've had this conversation with people all the time too where they say, well, I want to take this out and I want to put a beam across it and put a post over there and a post over there. But the beam is so big that logistically... Going in there, you have to have special footings designed, special posts, special beams spanning this whole area. And you say, look, if you add a post right in the middle here, uh, you'll cut the cost of this in half. Yeah. And it's just things like that that some people just don't know and they can't plan for without, you know, like you said, visualizing and planning ahead.
2: Yeah. Uh, Here's this next tip is really uh, one of my favorites and I love it. So I'm going to throw it right out there. It's about the experience and not about the result. Now, I know that, that that comment or that tip is a little abstract because obviously it's about the result or you wouldn't be doing it, right? But I think there's an opportunity when you're doing a DIY project, or a do-it-yourself project, or a Weekend Warrior project, there's an opportunity for you to just appreciate the, the project and what you're learning and how it's going. It's a great... Uh, For me, it's a great time. I'm not happy, truly happy, if I'm not in the middle of a project, you know, a a home improvement project. I love home improvement projects. So I feel like if you are cranky and upset and just, you know, constantly fighting the budget or fighting the time uh, through the entire project, then you get to the end and you've missed the fun of the project. You and I have so many great memories From projects that we've worked on together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying they were all hugs and puppies and rainbows. They weren't. We had tough calls we had to make. We spent more money than we wanted to. It took longer than we wanted. We smashed our fingers. I mean, you know, we had tough times. But the projects were amazing. And working on the projects were amazing. Even though it was literally seven days a week for months and months of my life. (laughs) They were seven days a week, months and months of my life making great memories. So I'm glad that I had the chance to do it.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I kind of do have, I agree with you to an extent, but at the same time for me, you know, you look at the reason you would even start a project. And for me, like my kitchen, I had a flood and I had to do it. Yeah. And then when we started tearing into it, it was a can of worms. And then this happened and then that happened. And then there was flooding in the crawl space. So all of these things, was like this giant can of worms that you just kept opening and saying, "Oh, I got to fix that now," and "Oh, I got to fix that now," and it was, it was about the result. But at the same time, we did have a lot of fun doing. Yeah, it. Yeah, we did. At one point, we were
2: like, "Why so many worms? Less worms to stop opening cans. <laughs> so, so many
1: worms. If the,
2: the cans just kept getting opened, <laughs>
1: we could have opened a professional. We yes, we should have been selling
2: worms." <laughs> At a fishery, if we'd had, we would have probably made a lot of, enough money to pay for that remodel. Uh, but there's no question that it was a really good time, and we did open a lot of cans of worms.
1: What is uh, we're getting, we're rounding down? We've got two really good tips left. Yeah, the last couple here, you know, obviously one of them is use the right tools for the right job. Yeah,
2: we pretty too much talked yeah, about. We talked about that a lot. I mean, it's almost like if you sign on Makita, uh, they've got the right tool uh, for your job, every job.
1: <laughs> uh, well, you, I mean, yeah, you could go out there and spend you know, 10 grand on a whole truckload of Makita tools and you'd be all set.
2: Yeah, think about all the projects you could do with all those amazing tools. (laughs) Uh, You know, we didn't talk at all and we're just going to take a quick second here. We didn't talk at all about that track saw. Makita makes an amazing tool called a a track saw. Let's talk about that for just a second. I know we are getting
1: one. Yes. We're getting one and I'm very excited to uh, try it out. Uh, I've wanted one for a very long time. Uh, a track saw essentially is, it's a plunge cutting track saw, and it, uh, it has a, a blade in the, the, the base of it, and it's spring loaded, and you put the saw itself onto a track, and it has grooves in the track with uh, uh, these pieces of plastic on there that when you put it on there, it slides like butter.
2: Right along that right track. Right along
1: that track, and what you do is you clamp that track down to, say, a piece of plywood that you want to cut straight. And the blade goes down inside the track and then cuts the wood on a perfectly straight line wherever you clamp it. Wherever you clamp it. And it's like reverse table saw. You're taking the table to the piece of wood that you're trying to cut. And it's amazing. We have two pieces of track, uh, a 55-inch track that he's going to give us uh, that we're going to get. And uh, we're going to be able to cross-cut plywood four-foot ways or eight-foot direction. It's going to be amazing.
2: I'm really excited about that. All of the new tools. And then, of course, we got the vacuum system, which hooks right up to that saw. And, of course, you don't have to operate them separately. We talked about this.
1: With the Bluetooth, it automatically starts the vacuum by itself. As soon as you pull the trigger on the saw, the vacuum fires up. It's a HEPA filter vacuum. Vacuum also takes batteries, so everything's battery. We don't even have to run extension cords. Before you ever... Cut the wood, and, and a single
2: piece of sawdust flies. The vacuum is already on and already sucking. Yes. Yeah, it's a it's a very cool tool. Anyway, having the right tool for the job, you can't say enough about it.
1: Yeah, and the last uh, last little tip that we have is don't reinvent the wheel. I you mean,
2: it, I mean, unless you're, I mean, unless you're building something with wheels. <laughs> But but you don't have to. What you're saying is you not you didn't say don't recreate the wheel. You said don't reinvent the wheel. Right. It's a, it's already been done. Your project that you're working on has already been done over and over and over. There's no reason to try to um, figure out how it was done by yourself. Do it the way everybody else is doing it, <laughs> uh, and uh, and and you'll get the same result that other everybody else gets. Absolutely. I mean, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, I feel like that, that uh, this has been a really great day. Uh, love to be out here at Par Lumber in Springfield. And, if you're uh, in
1: the Eugene area, Springfield area, uh, you should come check out the new Par Lumber here. It is gorgeous. The yard is fantastic. They deliver every load out of this yard on a forklift truck. Yep. So if you're building a house or you're building a deck or you're building a, a barn or whatever the project is, uh, they can bring that thing on a forklift, drop it right on your spot, and uh, you're good to go. Yep.
2: And uh, we also want to say thank you to KPNW, of course, who broadcasts in this uh, town. And to all of our listeners at KPNW, it's been a really great weekend. So, But uh, that's all the time we got. So we really appreciate you tuning in, listening to The Weekend Warriors. This has been another episode of The Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show right here on
1: The Weekend Warriors Radio Network.
2: Have a great week.